Four Midwest Guys presents Hey everyone and welcome to Movie Masochism. That's right, it's the show where I subject myself to all kinds of awful movies that I haven't seen before. I've seen a lot of bad movies in my lifetime, but as with most people, there are just some movies you just don't get around to. Now why would I subject myself to using my free time to watching a bunch of movies that are probably terrible? Well, most likely because... Oh, phone's going off. Sorry. It's <laughs> my wife. I'll call her back. Uh, mostly because it's just fun. You know? You just get out, you watch a bad movie every now and then. It just helps remind you of the really good ones when they come around. So the episode I'm going to be taking a look at today to kind of kick off this show is none other than the Netflix abomination known as Death Note. That's right, there's been all kinds of talk about this movie. Um, I haven't watched the Japanese animated show that it was based off of. I don't know much about it going in. Uh, the only thing I really know is that it's about this guy who is somehow able to communicate with like an angel of death or something and... He's got like a notepad or notebook that he writes in, just kind of like who he wants to die. He just kind of gets like, I guess he kind of gets like a godlike stature or something. Cat in the background there if you hear any crunching noises. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much been like universally panned by like everybody I've seen talking about it. Um, and it's considered a really big step backwards in terms of casting um there's a lot of controversy about the fact that the main character of course is a white guy and not asian so um i'm gonna give it a go i'm gonna see what i'm in for and hopefully um i've avoided enough about the movie and the kind of stuff that everyone's been criticizing to kind of make my own opinion on it so here we go. This is uh, me in the beginning, and we're going to take a break for me to watch it, and I will come back when it is all over. Oh, of course, because it is Midwest, and I'm one of the four Midwest guys, we have the Midwest beverage of choice, the AL8, and of course, my popcorn. Because no movie, no matter how bad or good, is complete without a good drink and popcorn. So, see you all at the end of Death Note. Finished Death Note. <laughs> um, it's not good. No. Uh, I've, I've been tortured with uh, worse movies before, and I think what kind of numbed me to this one was the fact that I had never, you know, I, I didn't read the manga comics or I didn't watch uh, the anime show. But watching it, I... Definitely got flashbacks of two other movies that I have seen the shows or I have uh, read what they're based off of. And it really reminded me a lot of The Last Airbender, <laughs> which is a complete abomination of all filmmaking. Um, and the reason it reminds me of that was the fact that 
It literally seemed like they crammed the entire show into an hour and 40 minutes and tried to have the same coherency and pacing and it just it, it, it ends up rushing from character to plot point to just it just seems like it's got so much that it wants to I mean it just seems like it's trying to cover all of the ground of one season and in doing so what it does is it fails to it just it, it fails to actually look at the source material it has and I think that's the biggest downfall of Death Note. It's just, I mean, because on the one hand you get this this book that is essentially dropped in the lap of uh, <laughs> apparently his name is Light Turner but I just kept calling him not Michael Sarah throughout the whole movie in my mind. I'm just thinking, oh man, they uh, they really wanted Michael Sarah but they didn't get Michael Sarah. They, they got this this kid and because in the first scene where he's doing this kid's homework and looks over and sees the the cheerleader who's she's a cheerleader but she's kind of rebellious but and I'll get to her too she's a character that she has no arc or story or background or justification or anything she's just <laughs> she's like She's just your standard creepy girl. That's it. That, that That's all she is. Um, but yeah, going back to it, going back to my original thought of just how... How much... I mean, that I think that's what it is to me, is it's a missed opportunity. There's so much opportunity you have with the source material. I mean, not Michael Sarah has the notebook dropped in his lap. Um, and then not... Kristen Stewart's on the other side of the field that looks that notices this. Um, instead of I, either diving into a lot of the concepts of, you know, essentially you give you get you're giving a high schooler maybe like a, a, a junior I think I think that's what it was he was a junior in high school. You're giving him basically the ability to kill people and get away with it, in in a sense. I mean. There's this investigation that goes on throughout the whole movie where they realize that, you know, this uh, this person who's doing this, this this Kita, this angel of death or Kira or whatever is is centralized because he's he only noticed this one. There's this person that takes a woman hostage and there's like a standoff and they're watching the live feed. And the, apparently the live feed was only broadcast in like the local area of, uh, of Toronto. Because that's very clear in the opening scene that it is not Japan or anything even remotely Oriental. Like it's very clearly, uh, or or uh, Ontario, yeah, Toronto or Ontario has the Space Needle, but you get the Space Needle right there in the corner, and and then the funny thing is, is it ends up going to Japan for a little while. So there's clearly the opportunity that they could have tried to make something. Uh, yeah, yeah, the more I look back on this, the more it's just, it's, it's a lot of missed opportunities. Like, again, if I watch the, uh, the show, I'm pretty sure there's going to be more themes or elements or more of a chance, because there's more of a chance to breathe. And 
you know, you got this 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 junior in high school who has the power to essentially control who lives and who dies. And all you do with it is just follow the investigation of the cops. I mean, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it, that part's not interesting at all. What's interesting is essentially these kids, or these kids who should be coming to terms with life and death and, you know, who should be killed versus who shouldn't be killed. I mean, they, they, and I, they start to mention it briefly. There's a scene where he's looking at these names on the computer, like, cause after this angel, this Kira is starting to get like fans or whatever, cause, <laughs> cause apparently people are seeing it as the angel of justice or whatever. Um, people start putting recommendations for other people on the website and oh man that 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 comes into play later <laughs> um they mention it briefly while they're going through that web page of all these names of who should live and who should die it's like oh well is this i mean do we know if this is true how do we know if this is true um that's as far as they dive into that <laughs> Except for the end when not Michael Sarah and not Kristen Stewart have kind of a falling out as to who should have the 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 book to write names in and everything. <laughs> um, he then goes to that exact site and without even questioning it, <laughs> looks like writes the names down of these people to basically be his uh, his trump card. <laughs> Um, and we'll get to that ending later for as convoluted and ridiculous as it is. <sighs> I think that's what bugged me the most, was that it is such missed opportunities to look at the material it had. And, and also knowing uh, Japanese anime shows, stuff like uh, Paranoia Agent... Um, I don't have too much familiarity with a lot of uh, anime stuff. The, the stuff that I remember was was what I saw at Adult Swim way back in the day. Uh, not as much now, because I, <laughs> being a dad, I don't have the luxury of staying up to like one or two in the morning and just binge watching whatever anime's on, which would be fun, but I don't have terribly a lot of free time. But, <sighs> I would like to watch some more just to kind of see what's what's out there, um, and I and I think this this movie does a great job making me interested in the actual show, because I want to see if it actually tackles those elements of life and death and justice and making yourself the essentially judge, jury, and executioner of everybody. <sighs> oh, okay. Um, Oh yeah, and I mentioned earlier that this reminded me of two things. One was The Last Airbender for how it condensed everything into a one movie. It's under two hours. The other thing that it reminded me of was Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Um, maybe because the, the lead character just reminded me so much of the guy they got to play Goku. <laughs> Because he looks so horribly out of place and so miscast that... <laughs> oh, God. Oh. The casting of this movie. Um, 
it's all over the place. It's just, it's wrong. I mean, you can, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, you can make the argument, um, should they have gone for a more prominently Asian cast? Uh, yes, that's probably a good thing to have done. Um, but if you're going to adapt it, um, you know, there's, there's nothing that says you can't adapt it into a different setting, but, oh, God. It's all over the place, and the people they got made me think this would have been so much more interesting had they had made it like an all Japanese cast or an all, uh, yeah, just just stick with the nationality, like give it something to, you know, stand out and say, hey, this is the one time that we've adapted, you know, an anime source material and literally made everything Japanese. Every character, every actor in here is Japanese, you know. That would be cool. Instead, we get <laughs> we get not Michael Sarah, we get not Kristen Stewart, and we get <laughs> we get not Michael Sarah's father, who's played by not Jeremy Renner, and our our lead bad guy Ryuk is voiced by Willem Dafoe, <laughs> and all I can picture the whole time is just like. The Green Goblin scenes in Spider-Man 2, uh, where he appears to Harry at the end, and his voice is everywhere. And I, I kind of expected Ryuk to have like a glider in the corner of one of the houses. Um, uh, and Lakeith Steinfeld, who played uh, played L, the uh, the detective, he's a great actor. He really is, and they made his character just such a oh i'm i'm obviously quirky character for how he sits in the chair or how he's you know is constantly eating like these m&m looking things or these candies and I don't go anywhere with it um it's just it's like the it's like the movie itself it's weird for the sake of being weird and I think that's what goes against it for me. It's just like everything about this. I mean, it's a missed opportunity. It's it's going out of its way to make itself the uh, the outsider when it clearly isn't, and it just it wastes so many chances and so many opportunities, so so much to make it stand out to either a be an all Japanese cast, b to have any kind of philosophical or analytical aspect of the show in there <sighs> and I get I, I guess what doesn't offend me so much about this movie is the fact that I never watched the show so I don't have that much of an investment in it um, I, I did look up on uh, afterwards to see how well received the show is I mean it's a very well received show like as of right now apparently uh, IMDB has like a top 100 TV shows of all time and Death Note's in the top 30, so it's got a lot of strong, passionate followers behind it, so it's it, it's a show that I think that the, the grounding and the true north is still in the show, and again, like I said, it makes me interested to see the show again, but this movie just like, when, uh, when you would, when, when someone adapt something when, when they sit down to a computer and say 
I, here's this thing that I love that I think this would be really cool if we did this. And when they write it or they go to produce it, where is the lost in translation part? I mean, is it in the writer? It's like, you know, the show would be great, but I don't think we need all these scenes of people reflecting on death. <laughs> Which... You know, I guess, I guess you could do, but I think the, in, to have some sort of moral responsibility in the show or in whatever medium you write, uh, there should be some kind of reflection on people not morally reflecting on it because essentially you're having two characters that are just killing people. And basically that's what these two leads are doing. Um, they go from like zero to... We're gonna be the angels of justice with our real because we write these names in a book and you know We're killing Taliban leaders. We're killing all these like criminals. That's impossible for anyone to kill and Of course, that's what gets all the attention And that's what sparks the investigation, but then from there it's just Dull it's really just dull that's and that's I think that's the biggest problem for me is like just, I mean, uh, there's so many problems. I keep saying it's the, the biggest problem because each time it just drives me more and more nuts. Um, uh, so he wants to stop because his dad's a cop and his cop father is investigating it. And so the girlfriend decides she wants to keep going with the killings or the the writing of the names but he's like no there's too much attention or it's like well we're gonna have to kill you yeah that's my dad you're talking about and oh these performances are bland so bland so so bad um and again it's it's almost it's it's like watching natalie portman in the star wars prequels in which you know she's a great actress you know she has the ability to have a lot of depth and a lot of range in her characters that she she plays, but she's given lines and situations and direction where she's told to basically like stand in a spot, say terrible lines, and it's like, oh, well, uh, cry or whatever. That's basically what I got out of these kids here was the uh, the lifeless directing. Like, they're, they're, they're good. I... I I haven't looked up the other, looked up the cast to see what else they've done, um, and I, I, God, I struggle to always put someone in a bad acting category because of one film. They can have a bad performance, and these are, these are clearly bad performances, but I don't know how much of it falls on their shoulders. Um, it's just, and again, it goes in the lost in translation thing when you're adapting something. Is it in the director's choice? Is it the fact the producers wanted to leave stuff out and just make it all about the investigation and killing because they thought it was more marketable? Or did the writer forget to include the philosophical stuff to make this entire story justified? Because by the end, when, when the boyfriend and girlfriend are arguing over who should have the book, it, um, uh, it's my wife again, and if you're watching this, I'm sorry, honey. I'll wrap this up so I can so I can get out and answer your call. Um, and in the end, when they're dangling off this this Ferris wheel at the end, I remember asking myself, "Why do I care? <laughs> Why do I care about these two emotionless voids that 
frankly should never have been given this power. And just, just the concept alone of someone without power getting power is a, is a neat idea in and of itself. And I think, you know, that, that could have been another interesting aspect that the show could have, or this movie could have taken. But it's just such an empty waste. And by the time this ending comes around and he's... <laughs> he basically, as everyone's chasing him and he gets to the Ferris wheel, he writes down the names of two people that were on that list that people suggested get killed. And again, before when he's discussing, oh, do we know if this is real or not? He doesn't even have a second thought. He just picks out like a couple names and just writes them on this book. He's like, yeah, whatever. Um, sure, you did it, but uh, uh, this uh, doctor here, uh, yeah, he'll save me, but then later on he'll kill himself. And then this other uh, guy who uh, is a pedophile, or I think he's a pedophile again because I didn't bother to do my research. I don't know, because in the spur of the moment I just wrote a couple names down. Oh, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, is it the worst movie I've ever seen? No. I've seen... I've seen far worse. This one's just lazy and a missed opportunity. And I'm, I'm not as up in arms about it because, I mean, like when I saw the, the last Airbender movie after like religiously watching the Avatar cartoon for like three seasons and falling in love with all the characters, watching them just get butchered on the screen was just it, it was painful to watch and I, I that's probably I, I can definitely see if like fans of the show watching this movie and feeling that that's exactly what was done here because oh my god this is the moment <laughs> the moment Ryuk first appears to light which again that's a stupid name light I'm sorry that's just oh my god <laughs> the second he appears to him in the in the classroom during detention <laughs> and he just starts screaming like <laughs> it starts screaming like Jensen Ackles in that supernatural episode where he became scared of everything <laughs> screaming like a girl the whole time <laughs> I I think that's the scene where I knew exactly what I was in store for for the rest of the film <laughs> that it was just gonna be one giant hot mess of a movie and and it was it was a giant mess and uh, I don't know what else to say with it, except, um, yeah, wasted opportunity, and and I guess in a sense of like what makes something truly repugnant as a film is the fact that it takes no responsibility in presenting any more responsibility in its story. So, in some ways, yeah, I guess it's it's bad in that respect. So... Yeah, um, got an early candidate for one of my worst movies of 2017, and congrats Netflix. <laughs> I got I, this is gonna be the first time that if I make a movie list of my worst of the year, that I think a Netflix original movie is gonna be on there. Not sure that's great prestige to have. Not sure of my opinion what merit it's gonna be, but take that for what it is. It's a bad movie, and it's pretty cheap to not take any responsibility for analyzing the source material. Um, so that's, uh, that's our first episode of Movie Masochism. Thank you all for watching, and next time, when I get around to it, I will be, I will be answering the viewer poll episode.
and I will be covering disorderlies. Thank you all, and may your next cinema experience be a good one. Thank you.